I was inspired by a mix of Ruth Reichel and David Sedaris. She writes my favorite food memoirs, and he's just so great at being raw and funny. The people in my family, I think I was drawn to memoir because they were all such big characters. Welcome to This is the Author, where authors talk about narrating their audiobooks. In this episode, meet comic, actor, and restaurateur Dan Adute and award-winning poet and essayist Mary Carr. Tune in to learn about the distinctly individual reasons these authors were inspired to write their audiobooks. Enjoy. Hi, this is Dana Dute, author of Undercooked. I actually wrote this book because initially I was trying to write a movie and it really sucked. And then my manager suggested that instead I turn the stories into chapters. I was inspired by a mix of Ruth Reichel and David Sedaris. She writes my favorite food memoirs, and he's just so great at being raw and funny. So I tried to put those two together. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be hydrated. I don't think I've ever drank so much water and tea in two days in my life. It's a miracle my bladder hasn't exploded. There's a couple of Korean dishes I had to frantically text my Korean friends and be like, can you put this word on an audio note for me? Tteokbokki is one. Wonderful snack. I highly recommend it if you go to a Korean bar. What I'm excited for listeners to hear is that I kind of had freedom with doing voices and giving people different personalities and accents and whatnot, and I think it'll come off really fun in an audiobook. Okay, I know this is a little on the nose, but if I could have a famous person narrate my book, it would be Morgan Freeman, just because I think it would be funny to have him say, growing up as an Iranian Jewish boy in Long Island, I knew that I had. (laughs) Just hearing him pretend to be an Iranian Jewish boy would be great, or hearing him doing an impression of my mom. And I said, what are you doing with... Okay, now this is... I'm going to stop trying. The last audiobook I listened to that I loved was by David Goggins, and it was called, he's like a former Navy SEAL, it was called Can't Hurt Me, and it was weird because I was listening to it when I'd go on walks, and it's like the most aggressive, like, you little pansy, you're not living your best life, what's wrong with you? So I would just be like mean walking, like angry faced, just like strolling through my neighborhood. My favorite place to listen to audiobooks is actually going hiking. I'm a big hiker. I like a little hiking book. And now, listen to a clip from my audiobook. I like food. A lot. It's an obsession. And I'm not just talking about how eating a good meal makes me happy, which, don't get me wrong, it does. A good meal gives me more happiness than almost anything else in life, including sex, money, and sex. Food has an outsized impact on my life, far more than it should in some cases. When you peel back all the layers of the Vidalia onion that is my life, many of the biggest moments reveal some sort of relationship to food. Food has made me a better brother and a worse son. It has given me the best of friends and the worst of enemies. It's made me stay in bad relationships longer than I should have, and it's made me exit great relationships because of dietary restrictions. Hey, this is Mary Carr. I'm the author of The Liars Club. What inspired me to write this book? Well, the glib answer is money because I was a broke-ass dog and I was a single mother and 
a city that was snow measurable in yards, and I had a kid and no vehicle. So honest to God, I needed money. It's just a shameful thing to say. And yet, when I was 10 years old, I wrote in my little journal in 1965, when I grow up, I will write one half poetry and one half autobiography. And so in some ways, I had a flamethrower on my ass my whole life because the characters I grew up with were such colossi. I never like to read anything I write, so recording my audiobook is like being an employee of my former self or entering some purgatory where I have to be somebody I was at another time. It sounds like a terrible attitude, but that's the honest truth. On the other hand, being in the company of my daddy and my mother and my sister who have all gone to live with Jesus, in some way, it's almost like I feel them in a way that is surprising to me. So in some ways, it's really consoling and thrilling. And there's a lot of what they call trauma in the book. And, you know, I've just processed a lot of it. And there's a lot more light, even though there's some rough stretches. I didn't know how to pronounce anything. And I had a wonderful director who corrected me, Burberry instead of Burberry. And I think I sort of came to a conclusion that I was talking like a redneck from 1965 from the ringworm belt, and that that's just how the book was going to sound. So I think I mispronounced some stuff, but I'm meant to be in writing in the voice of a girl about, you know, less than 10 years old. I hope you all forgive me for that. Who is your dream narrator, living or dead? Ooh, Nina Simone. (laughs) You know, if I could have gotten Nina Simone to do it or somebody like that. You know, my sister died two years ago during the pandemic. And when her son called me right after she died, he said, you're the only person on earth who sounds like my mother. So I would have liked Lisa maybe to take a go at it. We used to joke that we'd have a radio show called Car Talk, but we never did. The people in my family, I think I was drawn to memoir because they were all such big characters in completely different ways, Daddy and Mother and Lisa. And what I'm proudest of is that y'all get to meet them for the first time, and you don't know them. And they're outlaws. They're just the—they're badasses, and they're hilarious and strange and perplexing and irritating and infuriating the way everybody's family is. And I'm just proud that I had such great stories from them. I just plagiarized reality. I'm just happy y'all get to hear them. I listened to Benjamin Labatut, When We Cease to Understand the World, which is a book about scientific and technological catastrophe. The first chapter of it is the best first chapter of fiction I've read in probably, I'd say, five years, and I read a fair amount. And the first chapter is all nonfiction minus one sentence. And that was a very haunting thing because it's a historical book, and I kept looking for the sentence that wasn't true. 
I have a big chair in my apartment on the Upper East Side. You know, it's a small apartment. I mean, it's big in some ways, but really it's small for anywhere in the world but New York. But I have a big chair that's like my space traveler's helmet. It's my Star Wars chair. And it looks out the back of the building where there's no traffic and where it's really quiet. And there's a tree that's just a dumb little tree that right now is bare as a bone. But I love to sit in that place and look out the window at the sky and the weather. But I also listen in the subway in the backs of taxis in my bed. I listen to audiobooks in the bathtub. I'm a big audiobook slut. And now, listen to a clip from my audiobook. My sharpest memory is of a single instant surrounded by dark. I was seven, and our family doctor knelt before me where I sat on a mattress on the bare floor. He wore a yellow golf shirt, unbuttoned, so that sprouts of hair showed in a V-shape on his chest. I'd never seen him in anything but a white starch shirt and a gray tie. The change unnerved me. This is the Author is a production of Penguin Random House Audio. Thank you for listening. For more behind-the-mic content and audiobook recommendations, visit www.penguinrandomhouseaudio.com slash next listen.